The following program is being brought to you on the Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Inside Out with your host, Beth Green. This is James Maynard, your co-host. Today's topic is not why we are going back to war, which is what we announced last week, because we had our, our guest had a medical emergency, and that show is now scheduled for next week, October 14th. So, before we talk about war, let's talk about peace. This week, our topic is, are you uncomfortable with quiet? Why, and what can we do about it? The New York Times recently reported that people, men in particular, would prefer to give themselves an electric shock rather than to sit in silence and have nothing to do but think or feel. In 11 experiments involving more than 700 people, the majority of participants reported that they found it unpleasant to be alone in a room with their thoughts for just 6 to 15 minutes. So, are you super busy? Is all your activity really necessary? Running here and there, texting while driving, multitasking, and so on? Or do you manufacture stuff to do in order to distract yourself from yourself? It seems that most of us can't handle the anxiety and negative thoughts we encounter when we're still. Yet studies suggest that quiet time helps us be better problem solvers. And when we let ourselves feel our feelings, we can do something about them. So let's take, get more, let's get more comfortable with ourselves. So call in and let's talk about it. Talk about being quiet. And then join the post-show forum and see the link on the right-hand side of the host page in order to join the forum. And now, here's Beth from the Inside Out. Hi there. Um, uh, first of all, I thought that was very funny, James, to say let's, instead of talking about war this week, we're going to talk about peace. Evidently, uh, as you, uh, you know, we have as much trouble with peace as we do have with war. In yeah. fact, you know, that, that really brings up an interesting question is, uh, you know, how much do we create war in order to distract ourselves from reality and having to deal with the problems that we have, huh? Well, so, I know that as a boy growing up, yeah, I distracted myself from the discomfort of uh, quiet by playing war with little war figures. Wow. Did you so that was part of my conditioning. Yeah. Did you play war with yourself or did you also play with other boys? Mostly with myself, the G.I. Joe stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots, lots of little military things, with tanks and trucks and armaments and all that stuff. But so it was a nice really, distraction from peace, or so I thought. Yeah, no, but I mean, this really does uh, create some interesting questions. Uh, I want to come back to this for, in a second, but first I want to say something about last week's show. Last week we talked about um, feeling each other's feelings and what to do about it. And there was great, 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 great feedback on that show. If you haven't listened to it, do it now. You know, that's the great thing about internet radio. You can listen to the podcast anytime. And there was also a fabulous conversation about it on the Inside Out Forum. So, guys, you can always go call into the Inside Out Forum, and you can also go online and 
join the blog. So no matter what time of day or night you're available, you can get in the conversation. So do check it out. It's on the right side of the page. There's a link and it says Inside Out Forum or, or something like that. So what I wanted to say about last week's show, though, was that I just want to make one point, which I, I don't know if I made this point or not, but I think I should if I didn't, and I want to reiterate it if I did, which is there really is a value in feeling other people's feelings because it makes you so aware of what other people are feeling. You know, we have a tendency to think only of ourselves. So if you're walking around with a pain in your heart or you're feeling fear or anxiety or something and they're not your feelings because you're picking them up on a telepathic level, wow, what an opportunity for you to go help somebody. Say, wow, are you feeling fear? Because I always ask the question, whose fear is this? And if it isn't mine, then it's somebody's. And it, it's very likely to be somebody who's near and dear. Some of us also pick up feelings from other dimensions or further away, but most of us are picking up you know, the feelings of the people around us. And if we don't have an egoic reaction, which is, oh, I'm so upset because I'm being disturbed, we might actually go towards the person whose feeling it is and say, you know, I'm wondering if you're feeling fear or pain or whatever, and what can I do to help? So I think that like so many things, every quality that we have has a, has a dark side and a light side. <laughs> and so there is a value in feeling other people's feelings, but we just don't want to stay there because then we'll never feel clear ourselves. And the downside, which I also mentioned last time is, that if I'm feeling your feelings and I have no way of changing the way you feel, I have no way out of this pain, then I become more desperate to get you well or feeling better or connected or whatever is going on too. So then I totally focus on fixing you, which makes all of us anxious. So... Um, Listen to the show. I suggested some tools. We can also send ourselves chi, by the way, when we're feeling pain. We can not only send other people chi, as we discussed on the last show, but we can send chi to ourselves, which may be the only thing that we can do in order to detach from the pain that we're feeling if it's not ours. So it's a complicated conversation, but we talked about it in depth last time, and I just wanted to add those points. So talking about changing the way we feel. Well, first of all, James, why don't you give out the phone number and make sure that people know you can call in, guys. This is not the show about ISIS, uh, which you can call in anyway. <laughs> so please uh, you know, feel free to get on the phone and give us a call. So James, why don't you mention our phone number while we're getting started here? Yes, we'd love to hear from you. Our phone number is one 866 472 5795 that's 1-866-472-5795 great so the the thing that you brought up about you know talking about peace versus talking about war and it could be any kind of violence let's say you're uncomfortable with the way you feel you're feeling anxiety you don't know what to do about it you may feel violent it's a, a way that uh, your psyche is trying to deal with this anxiety is to find something to do 
to distract you from that feeling or to fix the problem. I'm very familiar with that feeling, by the way. And so if we look at that from a social perspective, we can see that when we're a nation that has so many problems, we might, in fact, try to distract ourselves from our problems by war. I mean, literal war. And that's a very important understanding because we as a collective don't behave that differently from the way we as individuals behave. We as individuals want to distract ourselves from our problems that are causing our anxiety. So instead of saying, oh my God, I'm feeling anxious, I wonder why, gee, it's because I haven't uh, done my homework or gone to the doctor or taken care of business or paid my bills. <laughs> and so when we recognize that, oh yes, maybe that is the source of our anxiety, and then we say, well, I think I better brush my teeth or do my homework or pay my bills or whatever it is that I need to do, we distract ourselves. Oh, I think I'm going to watch a TV show or maybe I'm going to get into an argument with my boyfriend. And then I can be just too upset. You know what I mean by just too upset? I'm so upset that I need to then have some candy or cookies or something else. So now I've gone from being too upset and fighting with my boyfriend to being too upset to eating something. And then I have to call my friend and then I'll have to talk about it for 20 minutes. And uh, in all of that time, I could have paid my bills. So sometimes when we're silent, we become aware of something that we're feeling or we think about something that really needs addressing. But if something is blocking us from addressing it, we're going to jump into something else to distract ourselves, but the problem remains. So I see we already have a caller, and I'd like to welcome Helen from California to Inside Out. Hi, Helen. Hi, Beth. Hi. Well, I am that. I mean, I've been called on it many, many times in my life because I love to be frenetically busy so that I don't have to sit and feel and experience whatever would come up, I guess. Well, that's a good question. So since you are our first caller, um, I'd like to take a moment to use you as our guinea pig, if I may. And tune in to you and see what is it that comes up when you're not busy that you want to block and why. So let's just take a moment. We might have a moment of silence here, guys, on Uh the radio. Mm. Can I stand it? Can I stand it? Well, what's really bad is (laughs) if, if somebody tunes in to seventh wave right now to Inside Out and they hear silence, they may think we're off the air. So I'm going to breathe heavily there you go. so that everybody knows that we are not off the air. But other than that, we are going to be silent as Helen goes inside and hopefully gets very quiet. And I'm going to try to send you some chi energy to help you to get quiet, Helen, and see what actually happens. So let's go. <sighs> Well, I don't know if this is colored by my current life, my, you know, just immediate situation, but 
I think it's probably more general that having had a, a depressed, lifelong depressed mother, that I'm sure I have some tendency to be depressed or to feel sadness or whatever, however that would show up in the moment that I do not want to feel and terrified of feeling because of the way she was debilitated by it. Um, that's what comes up. I think that's brilliant. I really do. I think you're, you've, you've hit it immediately. You're afraid of feeling sadness because you're afraid that that will be a bottomless pit of depression. And so it's very hard for you to feel your sadness even for a moment. So what we're going to do, and I bet you, Helen, that you are speaking for so many people out there. And it's so interesting because I'm sure you thought what you were going to feel was anxiety. No, I actually didn't. I, I could feel the sadness immediately, but I just immediately. wanted right. to make sure that I wasn't... No, you're absolutely right. But one thing, because you've called in before and you've mentioned anxiety. I know, I know I am. I do tend to be anxious. That's probably a cover-up for the sadness, too. That's exactly right. Because what happens is that you create something to be anxious about to distract yourself from the feeling of sadness. So why don't we try again? This time you're going to go in, and I'd like you to feel that sadness. And as you're feeling it, I'd like you to allow yourself to feel the support that we are here with you, that we're not judging you for feeling sadness, and that I am actually sending you mega chi. I call it mega chi, guys, out there in our radio audience, when I can feel this energy coming through me very strong and like my hands are buzzing right now. And I'm going to send you Megachi to help you to connect to that feeling without being afraid of being overwhelmed by it and see what comes up as you connect to the feeling of sadness. And again, I will breathe heavily, (laughs) Uh, not only to alert people that we are on the air, but also because I think that the breathing is part of the process. So please let yourself... Go deep into yourself. You're sinking, but you're not sinking into depression. You're sinking into Helen. (sighs) And see if you can't feel what that sadness is about. The first question we have to ask is, is it your sadness? As a follow-up from the show that we did last time. No, that's a good question. Some of it probably isn't mine, but I'm sure some of it, I, I know some of it is. Okay. So I'd like you to feel that answer. I, you may be right, but I, I think you're thinking. So go into the sadness, feel it, and ask yourself, is this 
whose sadness is this? Is this mine? Well, I don't know if I'm still thinking. What are you sensing? Well, I know some of it is mine, but I, I do know that I'm sensitive to other people's as well. But I know some of it is mine. Again, are you feeling the sadness and letting yourself get into it to see if it's yours or not? Well, I was. Until you asked me whose it was. Mm. And then I, I don't know if it's my mind's temptation. I would much rather think it's someone else's. Ah. So, you know, as soon as you said that, I, I couldn't feel the sadness. Now, either that's because it isn't mine, I guess, or... Because I'm blocked from feeling it as mine. So, why don't you ask me if this is primarily your sadness? Is this primarily my sadness? Yes. Okay. And let yourself feel it. Well, I was definitely feeling it before. Yeah, and you were trying to distract yourself from it. We have a commercial break coming up, and we have a couple of other callers as well. But I don't want to drop this, Helen. Well, I, I you know, I feel like the sadness came to me immediately within the first time around, which was the sadness of feeling hopeless. Yes. Um, about ever being seen or ever being loved. or it, It's ever being loved, honey. Yeah. That's what it is. And you immediately, your mind can't, hasn't been able to stay there. And so it's immediately distracting you into focusing on other people's pain. And that's what you do. Yeah. And you've told us before that you're a counselor. And what better trade? So I'm going to hang up with you now. But we're go- I hope that we'll be able to get to an exercise later in this show that will benefit all of us where we find ourselves able to be with our feelings and therefore be with silence. So thank we're going to hang. Thank you and, and stay with us because there's more to come. And thank you, everyone. Hang in there with us. We're going to commercial break. And then there's lots more. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. 
Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, BethGreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is Beth at BethGreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Welcome back. Thank you so much for being with us today. We're, we're not talking about ISIS. Uh, our guest uh, could not come this week, but is coming next week. But we are talking about peace, as James pointed out. We're talking about our ability to be quiet and to be with ourselves. And uh, it's, it's fantastic that there's actually a study now that shows... That, peop- that some people would rather give themselves an electric shock, especially men, than be with, alone with themselves and their own thoughts. And that's because they're usually negative. So we now have, uh, we have a couple of more callers on hold. And uh, we just had a great call with Helen, and she really tapped into uh, the sadness that she feels, which is the hopelessness that she will ever feel loved, that that's the feeling she's afraid to touch, and that's why she keeps herself frenetically busy. And now we have Elizabeth from Fallbrook. Hi, Beth and Jane. Hello, Hi. Elizabeth. Welcome. Thank you. Um, so I was just, I didn't hear the first part of the show, but I was going by the synopsis she just gave. So, like, what do I feel when I go quiet? Yes. What are, why, why are we afraid why be quiet. Yeah. I feel I'm afraid to feel alone. Mm, yes. Yeah. Oh, that's very good, Elizabeth. And that is so connected to what Helen was just saying about her. her she's afraid she's going to feel hopeless that she will ever be loved. And that's so connected to that feeling of being alone. So it's ironic. We're afraid to be alone because we're afraid that if we're alone, we're going to feel the fear of being alone <laughs> or the pain of being alone. Mm-hmm. So let me see. I'm going deeper into myself to see if... Um, okay, so what question comes to mind for you? That you can ask me. Um, 
I'm thinking of a question. I'm just thinking, you know, I grew up in a large family, so there's people around. So why were we, I mean, does it have to do with why did I feel alone even though I was with people? Because we all are. Ironically, Elizabeth, the truth is we are alone. By the way, there seems to be a somewhat of an echo, so I don't know if you I'll try when I'm not talking. Okay. Thank you. To make sure that you can hear me, though. Yeah. Um, it is, you know, there is a paradox about us humans and perhaps other species as well, which it is so difficult for us to feel our oneness and at the same time we're terrified of being alone it's like we're afraid to be connected and we're afraid to be by ourselves we're afraid to be connected to others we're afraid to feel connected to ourselves one of the obvious reasons that we are afraid to be alone is that if you imagine yourself as a fetus in the womb, if you were alone, that would mean that your mother was dead and that you were not going to receive any life supplementation, nutrition, uh, air, water, anything you need. If, so being alone would mean being dead. If you are an infant who is now out of the womb and you can breathe for yourself but being alone also means death because you cannot survive if someone isn't taking care of you every one of us has a deep memory of helplessness some of us try to cover it up by acting like we are self-sufficient oh yes I can chop wood or I can manage uh, by myself and uh, I can do this myself. But the reality is I can't think of a single human being that I know who actually is not interdependent with other human beings. I've seen programs about people in Alaska. Even they, you know, have, <laughs> you know, if they're out in the boonies of Alaska, they have radio contact or they have somebody dropping them supplies or uh, something, it's very, very hard to survive all by yourself. And that's built into us. Yet at the same time, we are afraid of being connected to one another. We have all had experience of feeling dominated by the people around us. And sometimes the people around us are just being reasonable. But sometimes the people around us are nuts or they're totally in their own egos and they are hurtful and sometimes people around us say hurtful things or physically abuse or are insensitive to each other's needs not just to our own and we are sometimes that way ourselves aren't we and so there is a definite fear of being connected to other people when mommy and daddy are gone the older siblings rule the roost and those siblings may resent taking care of you and that resentment may come through and 
that resentment may come through through actual abusive behavior, which many of us have experienced at the hand of siblings, or that resentment might come through in a subtle way, which we're not even aware of. And so I can go on and on and on. We go to school and we're with a bunch of kids who are feeling insecure and who are trying to prove something, who are bullies, who are competing for the teacher's attention or who are trying to prove themselves in some way and they don't care about how we feel. And it goes all the way up to the level of what we talked about in our show about democracy a couple of weeks ago, of all kinds of people making decisions about whether or not I can be married if I'm gay or whether or not I can have an abortion or whether or not... um, I'm going to have to go to war or how much taxes I'm going to have to pay and whether or not I'm going to have enough money left over or, and so on and so on. And so in every way, our needs and even our survival needs are dependent on other people and those other people may not be putting our interests first. And so we have a fear of being alone and we have a fear of being with one another and most of us have a tendency to run between trying to escape from others and trying to escape from ourselves. And why don't you all take a moment to see if you can't identify with that feeling. It's like, oh, all of a sudden you've got to call somebody or go to a party or turn on the TV so that there's another voice in the house or something to give you the sense that you're not alone. And at the same time, how many times have you been with people, with family, at work, with your mate even, (laughs) and you just feel like, oh my God, I need some peace. Your children, certainly. I need some peace. I can't wait to get into myself. And then the minute that we do, we tend to pick up a book or turn on the TV. Or... We have to structure that time in some kind of meditation or yoga. And I'm not saying that any of these activities in itself is bad. What I'm saying is that there's a kind of desperate ping pong going on, a pendulum swing between not knowing, with not feeling comfortable with people and not feeling comfortable with ourselves. And this all comes down to When do we ever start to feel trust despite the experiences that we've had? So, Elizabeth, I realize that I've probably answered much more than you meant to ask, but your question was a very good one. And um, I would like to address that issue about how do we develop that trust later in this program. But can you see what I meant about your going back and forth between those two? Yes, I believe so. Great. Thank you. And thank you, thank you for calling. And think about the specifics of who you were afraid of, being afraid of the collective, what f- collective you were afraid of in your lifetime as a child and why you would be afraid to be connected to people and also understanding that you're afraid of survival. You know, there's another factor I want to mention, which is one of the things that we need to survive is love and caring. The child that does not thrive is often the child that's not cared for. And so when we are alone, 
we feel that panic because we don't have the faith that that caring is right around the corner and that we have to care about ourselves and love ourselves. But quite frankly, that isn't enough for a human being. And now I'd like to bring on Corey from New Orleans. Hey, hello. Hi, Corey. Welcome. Hey, thank you. Well, the, um, I love your topic today. I'm just really fascinated. And uh, I can get in touch with uh, Helen and the sadness. Um, but you, before, you, you had mentioned a few things. One was about the, the mother and the fetus, developing fetus. And mm-hmm. it was very interesting that I uh, had seen an article where they had done ultrasounds where the, the, the fetus has reached up and tried to close off the umbilical cord because of the toxins coming in if the mother was on drugs or smoking. Oh, my and, God. And so I could see this where you are caught between yes. <laughs> wanting the mother and not wanting what's coming from the mother, your own source oh. of nutrition. Oh, and absolutely. That, I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah, and that really, sometimes I think I feel like life is like that. <laughs> you know, I'm getting... It's coming at me, and it's the good and the bad, and uh, having to make a choice there. Uh, And I think it stirs up the water where I can't see. I I get uh, frustrated with uh, unclear and caught by all the different distractions. I Um, think that what you're saying is so important because this is an an even more primary example of what I was talking about, about our fear of being connected to others because of all the toxins that are coming to us, not only the physiological toxins, but the emotional toxicity of other people. And yet, we can't be by ourselves. We can't live alone, not just on the physical level, but on the emotional level, because we are, in fact, one. We are connected. And that always brings me to that sense that we have to work on the collective even though we want to take care of ourselves. One of the teachings that I have received from higher consciousness is that there is no personal salvation. And I know that, and yet I keep wishing that that weren't true. I want to believe that if I do this or think this, or feel this, or go through this process, or develop to a certain level, that I will break the need to be a part of the collective, and that I will never feel that collective pain, and that I won't be impacted by it. But if there is no personal salvation, because I am not an individual, then I can never really completely disconnect myself from what is happening. Just like that fetus cannot disconnect from what it's receiving through the umbilical cord. That never really changes. And so we are caught. And there are two things that I think are very important to do is one, to be committed to understanding that we do have to care about one another and to retrain our egos to stop focusing on ourselves. And the second thing is to find other ways in that moment of connecting to the love and the nurturance that we need, despite the fact that the world is a toxic place. And I'm going to address that 
in a few minutes when we come back from our break. But is there something else you'd like to share, Corey? Well, there was another thing about the quiet that a friend of mine was saying he had a near-death experience. Mm -hmm. And he said it was so quiet and peaceful, and he felt like it was meditating. Mm -hmm. And he put forth that he thinks that that's one of the main reasons we don't like peace and quiet, because it might be so much like death. And I, I, I don't know what to think. I've, you know, that's, that's come up for me a number of times, that is that, is that true? Is there a truth to that? Well, of course, I haven't, I can't say for sure, because I don't know that I can connect as fully to the experience of being dead as I can at this stage in my life to the experience mm-hmm. of being alive. <laughs> But uh, if I were dead, I probably couldn't report on that. <laughs> but I can tell you one thing, and I think that, it, it, that this may not be true. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Because I have been, as most of our listeners now know, I have been chronically ill and severely ill for the pretty much uh, 54, going on 55 years. And I have been so weak at times that I felt close to death and it was very peaceful. Now, I wasn't dead. I'm not going to say that I had what your friend experienced, but I do know what I experienced. And in that moment, I wasn't fighting anything. I felt so tired and peaceful and I actually knew that when the time of my death came, if it were from illness or just being worn out, that I would be ready and I wouldn't be afraid of it because it does feel very peaceful. Now, what's really on the other side of that peace, I don't know because I didn't actually die. This is a completely subjective experience that I was having when I felt like I was slipping away. But I feel that it's much more the case, Corey, that for you and for most of us, the fear of the peace is that it isn't peaceful. And I'm asking, you know, all of my audience today to really take a moment. And I think when we come back from break, I'd like us all to go through a process together where we get quiet and see what is intruding and see what we can do about that without desperately running for some relief. And I'd like to share one more thing about that before we go to break. Sometimes we need to go towards others for love and companionship because we are one and we will never feel whole if we're isolated because that's like saying that we can live without our bodies, our minds, or our spirits. It's like we're just part of one another in a very, very deep way. But sometimes we are just running from the feeling that is inside us, that is gnawing at us, and I know that I can feel it gnawing at you as well. And when we do that, Corey, we're not looking for oneness. We're looking for escape from fear, anxiety, pain, whatever it is that we're running away from. That is a different experience. And that's what... I I think what I'm... I think there's some... uh, There's a low level of depression 
that I noticed when I started getting quieter for the last six months or so. I didn't notice it, but I think it's been there all along. That may very well be true. So we need to go to break, and I will, when we come back, uh, we're going to do some processes together to see what we can do together about getting more comfortable with that silence. And perhaps something will come to me about you particularly, Corey. I don't know. But thank thank you so much for your call. And now we will go to a commercial break. But uh, come back, stay with us, because there's a healing to come, I hope. (laughs) Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Bring Beth into your world in person or via the Internet. Learn how by visiting her website, BethGreen.org. At the website, sign up for her newsletter to keep abreast of her latest activities, blogs, videos, and more. Just for signing up, you'll receive a free PDF copy of Living with Reality, her 688-page volume that helps us understand ourselves in relatable terms, as well as offers a proven program to heal and co-create a better world. But there's more. Learn about Beth's four other books, both fiction and nonfiction. Check out her gorgeous music, which is heartfelt and mystical. Become acquainted with Beth and James's programs for healing and training, and discover their community, the Stream Center for the New Spirituality, which welcomes you wherever you are in the world. All this and more can be found at Beth's website, www.bethgreen.org. Again, that's bethgreen.org. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You're tuned in to Inside Out with Beth Green and co-host James Maynard. To reach us on the show, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. If you'd rather send us an email, the address is Beth at BethGreen.org. Now, back to Inside Out. Welcome back to Inside Out. This is our last lap on this journey of for today of talking about why we're afraid to be quiet and what we're afraid to feel. And what we've been discovering together is the discomfort that we have both with people and without people. The toxicity And I didn't even talk about the discomfort we have connecting to people because of our own experience and our fears. I was just talking about the toxicity of those connections, but there's that too. So there are lots of reasons that we're afraid to connect. And then when we're alone, a lot of pain, fear, anxiety, negative self-judgments, as James was saying during the break, come to us. And so why would we want to go there? We're always trying to find a way to distract ourselves. And so right now and for the rest of the show, I'd like to see if there's some way that we can support one another to deal with some of the feelings that have come up, the loneliness, the anxiety, the negative self-judgments, the fear. So 
So first, let's take this moment, every one of you, if you possibly can, get quiet. Please do. Some of you may be driving or engaged in something which won't allow you to be completely still. But those of us who can, see if you can't just for a few moments get still and see what emotion has come up. If it's the same as our guests so far, I mean my caller so far, or something else for you. And I'm sending chi to every one of you right now, as well as to myself. And you may notice that one of the first things that comes to you when you're very quiet is the experience of your heartbeat. And the feelings in your body. I'm not talking about when we're meditating on a flame or something like that. I'm talking about when we're silent and everything is silent. We can feel our bodies. I'd like you to tune into your body now. And, of course, you're not all on the phone, but I'd like you to tell me, out loud if you can, what happens when you feel your body? What does your body feel? And, James, you can do this as well. So say it as though I could hear it. Well, the first thing that I feel is discomfort. Yes. And I want to try to make get myself more comfortable somehow to get rid of the feeling of unease. And is that a physical discomfort or a psychological or psychic discomfort, would you say? Uh, Let's say it's psychological. Now, are you tuning into your body? Oh, as I tune into my body, it shows up as a physical uh, discomfort. Right. Now, many of us feel physical discomfort. Now, that physical discomfort may be because we have a herniated disc, because we've overeaten, because uh, we have growing pains, as they call them, because we've overdone something. But there's some feeling. And some of these physical discomforts could be psychologically based, such as I feel anxiety in my stomach. 
and it's making my stomach hurt. But did you notice how you shifted immediately, James, from when I asked you, tune into your body and tell me what you feel, you turned it immediately into something psychological? Yes. Now, why did you do that? Well, because uh, even though my body says I would like to feel more comfortable, uh, I realize that uh, that's just kind of a nervousness, uh, that uh, there's no reason for my body to feel uncomfortable. I'm sitting in a very comfortable chair. So then that leads me to feel, hmm, well, why do I have the feeling of being uncomfortable? Well, how do you know that your body isn't uncomfortable? Well, I know that it's in a very relaxed posture right now. Well, your posture may be relaxed. Now, I I don't know where this is leaving, but this is very fascinating. I feel Mm -hmm. very guided to, to go into this with you. So I would bet you that there's a lot of people who can identify with this. So bear with me, guys. So, James, if you think, tune into your body, really tune into it, see... If your body is comfortable, not if your chair is comfortable. (laughs) Your chair may be very comfortable, but is your body comfortable? I'd say no. That's right. And did you notice that you didn't want to acknowledge that? Right. I don't feel completely comfortable in my own skin. Yes. But your body, now listen to this. You've done it again. You've turned it into an emotional thing. (laughs) I don't feel comfortable in my own skin. So is there anyone out there? I'm going to trust the universe that this is really hitting home for a lot of us. I would like you to ask yourself why you want to deny that your body, your body is uncomfortable. You have arthritis. You have, I'm not saying this is true about James. Like I say, you overate. You didn't, uh, you're working too hard. You've been sitting too long. Um, you, uh, you know, have uh, irritable bowel syndrome. Uh, you have a rash on your nose. You have a headache. You're too hot. You're too cold. You're dehydrated. You're bloated. Why don't you want to acknowledge that that is true? I don't know. I do have a rash on my left heel. But, uh... What happens when we acknowledge that our bodies are uncomfortable? Well, then I start to get fidgety. Mm-hmm. Supposing we were to acknowledge that our bodies were uncomfortable and instead of getting fidgety, you went deeper and asked yourself, why is my body uncomfortable? Nothing feels perfectly right. 
I'm going to say something about why this is the case. We are afraid to acknowledge that our bodies are uncomfortable because that would force us to make some changes. If our body's discomfort is caused by anxiety and stress, we might have to stop doing the things that cause us anxiety and stress. If our bodies are uncomfortable because we have a tendency to binge with food or alcohol or drugs or exercise or overwork, we might have to do something about that. What happens when we realize that we have to make changes to make our bodies feel more comfortable? We override them. We override our bodies from the earliest time when the little kid is playing in Little League and wants to hit that home run so bad or steal that base so bad that he doesn't even notice what he's doing. What happens to the little girl who's straining herself to look pretty, to please, to please mommy? What happens to the woman who wears high-heeled shoes to work and stands? Can she focus on how she feels? This is a long topic, and we're going to have to bring this show to a close very shortly. But what I'd like you to do is start being aware of your body and what it is telling you. You may think you're already doing it, but I would guarantee you, every one of you, that you have been overriding your body for a long time. And you're afraid of the consequences of changing that. And so the first reason that we're looking at today that we're uncomfortable with quiet and peace is that we feel our bodies and we don't even want to acknowledge that. We are going to come back to this topic because there's more. But if you work on this for the coming week, I think you'll make a lot of progress in your awareness. And start asking yourself, what am I afraid to change if I connect to myself and my own body? How is my ego, my going to be in conflict with my body. Let's start with that, guys. We have only 30 seconds to go. James, tell us about next week's show. Okay. Uh, I did say this last week. Why are we going back to war, and do we know what we're doing? Uh, we're at war now in Iraq with the Islamic State, uh, ISIS. And uh, a lot of this has happened without our say-so, uh, or do we feel upset about what's going on? Uh, and are we ready to confront uh, the things, the feelings and thoughts that are coming up for us? And so we're going to have our guest, uh, Professor Jim Gelden, with us from UCLA to help us understand what's going on, understand the facts. Look, and also look at uh, what the Muslims have uh, said uh, as 
responses to what ISIS is doing. Uh, so this should be a very fascinating show, so please tune in. Tune in. Thank you, James. And I would like to leave you with this realization that what we do as individuals, we do as a collective and as a society, that we are running from the pain in our collective bodies. We're not dealing with it because we're afraid of the social and emotional and psychological lifestyle changes that we would have to make in order to become at peace with ourselves. And this is only step one. We will have another program on this. God bless and see you next week. Thank you for making us a part of your week. Listen for the next edition of Inside Out with Beth Green and James Maynard next Tuesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have a great week.